Nehemiah 13, verses 23 to 31. And it says, In those days also I saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod, and they, they could not speak the language of Judah, but only the language of each people. And I confronted them and cursed them, and beat some of them, and pulled out their hair. And I made them take an oath in the name of God, saying, You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin on account of such women? Among the many nations, there was no king like him. He was beloved by his God. And God made him king over Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made even him to sin. Shall we then listen to you and do the, all this great evil and act treacherously against God by marrying foreign women? And one of the sons of Jehodiah, the son of Elishabib, the high priest, was the son-in-law of Sambalat, the Heronites. Therefore I chased him from me. Remember them, O oh my God, because they have desecrated the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I cleansed them from everything foreign, and I established the duties of the priests and Levites, each in his own work. And I provided for the wood of offering at appointed times and for the first fruits. Remember me, O oh God, for good. Amen. Here ends the scripture reading for today. Amen. Shalom to all of us. And once again, it's always a privilege to be behind the pulpit to bring the word of God. And I thank our senior pastor for the opportunity to bring the word. Today, we are looking at a very, very important subject. And so I would like for us to pray, even as we look at the word. Oh, mighty, mighty, mighty God. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. And Father, this morning, oh, Father, You've made it possible for me to bring your word. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, oh Lord, that you will loosen my tongue and you give me utterance. That the things you have laid on my heart, almighty God, I'll be able to bring it forth, to birth it. And Lord, I pray for those who would hear me. Father, you have given us a long time promise. And the promise is that your word will not return to you empty. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your word will settle on everyone. Oh my Lord, including myself, and that delivery will be made to our spirit. And Father, will not be lifted until that person, each one, has worked with the word as you have so desired. So Lord, thank you. To you be the praise, to you be the glory. 
In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. And each time I come here, I have one objective. And that objective is that you will understand the word of God that is coming. Because again, scripture tells us that it is those who understand and see the weight of the message that work with it. And that the evil one uses misunderstanding as a tool to further oppress those who do not know him and those who maybe know him but choose not to do his will. And so my desire is that you will hear and you will hear well and you would understand. I have had months to digest the, this word, but you are hearing it for the first time and I pray that the Lord will be with us. Today we're talking about passing on the faith to the next generation. Passing on the faith to the next generation. Which means that we are talking about adults, children, youth, Where the youth in the house? Can I see you by hand? I'm glad I saw some hands here. Because for the past how many months, you are always clustered here. So when it's time to welcome, you would welcome yourselves. True or false? And the same goes to adults too. Maybe some of us can dare to go this way. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. But this generation, I mean, this, in these times that we are living in, there are so many challenges. And we, the word of God and the faith is competing with Hollywood stars and Bollywood stars and Ghana stars, not the black stars. Maybe the black stars, the IUs and the, you know, those, some people will think they are stars. But we are competing with them. We are competing with the Puff Daddies and the Tupacs. Yes, them, them. But you know, they are supposed to be the stars. And our children and the generation, they worship them and they look to them and they, they follow them and they go to Instagram and the, the Kardashians and, and all them. Yes, and I know she's coming to Ghana. And you, maybe you paid money to go and see her. But that's her money you refuse to put here. But you know, I meet the young ones and I tell them that you are thinking about the two packs, the physics, and people looking for abdomens that are six pack. 
They're looking for six packs and they're looking for two packs. The two packs and the six packs and, but I tell them I don't need two pack and I don't need six pack because I've got the three pack. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And this God, this three pack, this three pack loves me so much eh, that he's puffed up. He asked me to call him Abba Father. He's my daddy and he's always puffed daddy to me. He's my puff daddy. And when I worship him, the evil one tries to stop me. And the evil one is Snoop Dogg. He's always snooping. He's Snoop Dogg. But you see, this three-pack, the Holy Spirit, who is my all and all and who leads me, it is he who ushers me into his presence. Do I need usher to sing to me? When I have the Holy Spirit who can usher me into God's presence. And when I get into God's presence, it is there that I see his majesty and his beauty and his loveliness and what he has in store for me. I see how awesome and majestic and holy and righteous and beautiful and faithful he is. And that is where I bow and I say, wow. You got it. For you see, he says, I'm his daughter. And it is God who has my destiny in his hands. I'm telling you, I'm the original destiny's child. So what do I need destiny's child for? Tell me. <laughs> the original destiny child. And the race is not to the swift. It is not tailored for the swift. So I'm just to let you know where I stand. And so we come to Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 23 to 31. And I heard some giggles when we were reading it. Because here he was pulling out people's hair. I thought it was only women who pulled out people's hair. Pulling hair and fighting and being angry with the children of God. But the question is, what was the big deal? What's the big deal? Nehemiah, you go and you find that the Israelites have fallen in love and they have married foreign women. What is wrong with falling in love with somebody who does not know your God? What is the big deal? The big deal was that it was sin and it was disobedience. Let's look at verse 27. Verse 27. 
Verse 27 says, Must we hear now that you two are doing all this terrible wickedness and are being unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women? Terrible wickedness. Being unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women. Was it because they were foreign women? No. But because they did not know the Lord. But then why would God give such a command? I would like to turn our attention to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3. And I read, as Moses was talking to the people, a word from the Lord to them. And this was the command, verse 3. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the lost anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. The point was that when you go in for these foreign spouses, they will turn their, your hearts away from the Lord. And so this is the command I give you. Do not marry do not marry them. And so being unequally yoked would inevitably turn the Israelites and his children away from God. Let's look at verse 24. Nehemiah 13, 24. Or let's start from 23. Moreover, in those days I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples, and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. They did not know how to speak the language of Judah, so they wouldn't be able to read the word of God, the word of God. The women, the women taught them their language. The women taught them the language, their language. And their language was different from that of the Israelites. And because of that, they could not spend time either listening when it, it was even being read or reading it themselves. And as a result, as a result, they were out of the will of God. This means the faith would not be passed on to the next generation. There was going to be a break because the children who ought to know the word of God and the things of God and how God works would not have the opportunity to hear the word. And it was imperative that they know the word of God. So what were the implications of not knowing the word of God? Let's look at verse 26. Verse 26 of Nehemiah 13 gives us the answer. Was it not because of marriages like these that Solomon, king of Israel, sinned? Among the many nations, there was no king like him. 
He was loved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. But even he was led into sin by foreign women. Now don't get the idea that foreign men would not lead the children astray. Both the women, both and the men. So even Solomon, with all his wisdom, and with all his greatness, and with all his love, he was led away because of the marriages that he was involved in, the foreign marriages that he had. And now I want us to look at Judges, chapter 2. I'm building up to something. Judges, chapter 2. Verse 10 through 13. Listen to the word of God. By Judges, you know that by now they've crossed and come over. They've left Egypt, they've crossed, they've come to the promised land. And this is a report that comes. And we see it in chapter 2, verse 10. I want you to listen. I want you to listen, not just with your ears, but with your heart. And this is what the word says. After that, the whole generation, after that, the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. God does not waste his words. When he gives us the word, his word, he does not waste his words. Whatever he writes there means something. And so here, all this new generation, they did not know anything about what God had done for the people. They did not know, for example, how the pillar of cloud led their forefathers. How the fire led the people. How he opened the Red Sea for them to cross. How he saved them out of the hands of the Egyptians, Pharaoh and the Egyptians. How Miriam took a tambourine and sang, oh, about God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Did not know about Caleb and what the Lord did for them. They did not know about manna falling when there was nothing. They did not know how water came out of a rock. They did not know how the people 40 years they walked and their sandals were not worn out. They had no idea of these things. So because they had no idea, how can they say that God is good? How can they say that God is awesome? How can they say that God is mighty? How can they say that God can fight for me in my situation at this time? How can they say that my God is faithful? How can they say that my God is good? How can they say that my God is awesome? They could not. The alternative was to do evil, was to do things that displaced God. Hmm. Passing on our faith to the next generation. 
passing on our faith to the next generation. Our faith. And what is our faith? And last week, we heard a wonderful sermon on that. And about a month ago, I was with the youth at Adabraka. And we're talking about, does God have a plan for me? And I started them off from John, the book of John. The same passage we, 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 we read last week. Where it says that the official took Jesus at his word. Took Jesus at his word and went. Because he believed that Jesus could heal his son. And I said, there is no way, if you do not believe this book, there is no way what I'm going to say is going to mean anything to you. And it's going to matter to you. So if you take the word of God as he has said it, then you are on the path to good. So our faith is what? Our faith is our understanding of all that we know of the Lord, of his goodness, that he's a God of faithfulness without injustice. He is good and he is upright. He is merciful. He keeps his covenant of love with those who love him. He is salvation. He is grace. He is mercy. He is awesome. He loves me. And my faith is all that. And my faith is captured with a simple thing. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. That's my faith. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. He lives in me and his goodness and his faithfulness towards me. And what he expects of me, that I'll be more crash-like, walk in his way, and lead others into the path of righteousness, is my faith. It's my faith. And your faith is what? What is your faith? And so he said, passing on our faith to the next generation. And the passage I chose for that, I I see is the one we read for uh, Talita call to worship. Psalm 145. Again, I want you to listen. Let the words jump up to you. Listen, listen to Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. In other words, one generation to another. And one generation, your name is there. You are part of this. You are. That is you. One generation, you are not the, the generation of David. No, this is your generation. So you, you, one generation will 
commend your works to another generation. One generation to another generation. They will commend your works. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak. They will tell and they will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. Ah, one generation. And so, youth, behold your generation above you. But if I should take you downstairs now to the children, guess what? Guess what? They are not of your generation. Are you there with me? So you have to be telling them. We tell you, you tell them. They will tell others. Somebody told me, I'm telling you. And you will tell somebody. Generation of the mighty works of God. If I'm here today, it is because my mother told me. My mother told me. My mother told me. You think I'm bold? <laughs> you ought to see my mother. You ought to have seen my mother. Talk about courage. You ought to have seen my mother. And we saw her show courage. We saw her tell of the goodness of God before a fetish priest where everybody was running skelter and taking money out of their pockets to appease the fetish. And the fetish comes before my mother and with all the things, the, the, the fearful things around him, with all the incantations that he was saying. And so many people around her were afraid. And she, the person walks up to my mother and demands my money. And my mother looks him in the face and says, look at you. Look at you. Don't you know that you are standing on the earth that my father made? What do you think you can do to me? Away from me. Far be it that I will take money and give to you and dishonor my God. I heard, I saw, <laughs> oh yes, we woke up and she was not home. She came back after a couple of days. Mama, where did you go? My daddy did not know where she had gone to. Comes back said, I had a dream. My mother had been taken to a fetish place to be exchanged for the brother. The, mother, the sister-in-law had done that. Away she went to, came to Accra. We were in Kumasi. Came to Accra. They had already gone to Shredru. She gets to Shredru close to midnight. Everybody was afraid when she asked for the house of the fetish. She goes in there. And there is this man who had no hold, notes with a hole in the head. And my grandmother shivering like a leaf. And saying to my grandmother, get up, let us go. My grandmother begging, oh, the consequences of if I go, what will happen? Hey, mama, let us go. When all the villagers had surrounded the place because they knew that my mother would not come out alive. Don't you know that my God is the God of the universe? That my God is powerful? 
that your God is empty, that the, uh, your idol has nothing in it, that I worship that one only true God, my mother passed it on to me. Hallelujah. And I'm asking you, and I tell people all the time, you can go and ask my brother-in-law, and I tell them, do you have a story night in your house? Do you have a story night in your house? Where you tell your children about your, your faith encounters. You were like in this, and you pray to the Lord, and the Lord answered you. You were doing this, and something happened, and it, it called for faithfulness. It called for trust in God, and you did A, B, C, and D, and God did A, B, C, and D, and more for you. Do you have a story night to tell your children? Do you have a story night of your faith, of your faith experiences? He says, one generation, and that is you, will commend your works to another. When was the last time you commended the works of the Lord to your children and your grandchildren? They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. Maybe you yourself, you don't have it. That's why you haven't told it. But if you have it, you keep it to yourself. That's trouble. So, passing on. Passing on to the next generation. And it is only Jesus passing on our faith to the next generation. Passing on. Passing on is saying it, telling it. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And, um, all right, Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is what it says there. Impress, verse 7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So what time? Do when you, when you're on the road, when you're in your car, when you're at the market, when you are at home, anytime, any opportunity you get, you will tell them, does that mean that television has to go down a bit? Does it mean that the games will have to go down a bit? So that you can tell of God's works to the children. And I mean, it's children, it is your family, it is the people around you, but I, I, I'm just narrowing it to the children at this time. Impress them on your children. Impress. You know what impress is? Impress. At that time, if you take wax and you, you impress, you stamp it, it will leave an impression on, 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 on that wax. Impress it on your children. Passing it on to the next generation. So what is at stake here? What is at stake here? What is it at stake here? It is imperative because it is only by faith that the next generation will live. Only by faith that the next generation will live. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Let's quickly read that. Um, I have quite a few 
references. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and alone not that live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live, I live by what? Please help me. I live by what? Oh, are you convinced? I live by? I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. Now, Badora, how can you live it? I can only live what I'm singing by faith. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. So why is it necessary? Because it is the only way I can live. And then I can stand firm because of it. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. Because it is by faith you stand what? You stand firm. How do you stand firm as a teenager? How do you stand firm as a single person? When all around you, the music, the TV, and all those things are talking about being sexual. How do I stand firm as a married person? And you know that in some quarters, it is a, a good mark on you to have affairs. How do I stand firm in this world? How do I stand firm as a single person? How do I stand firm as a businessman and I don't take bribes? How do I stand firm that I don't cut corners? I can only stand firm when the faith is there. So tell me, why would you not let your children have the faith? It is by faith that we will work. 2 Corinthians 5.7 Let's look at that. 2 Corinthians 5.7 We live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. And the sight tells us that the economy is bad. And the sight tells us that, hey, time is going, no, I'm not married. And the sight tells us that, hey, if you want to get A, B, and C, you have to do some corners, so you have to do some kululu, so you have to take some bribes, so you have to. That is what the sight is telling us. And we can only live in God's way if we live by faith. So, once again, I'm asking you, parents, I'm asking you, youth, how can you think that you can do it without faith? And if we cannot do it without faith, why are you not passing it on? And if you are passing it on, is it once in a blue moon? And then we will overcome the world. We will overcome the world. And we will overcome the devil by way of faith. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. And please, 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 these are not empty references. I'm not just giving references because I need to give you references. Please. And it says, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Oh, look at this child. Oh, and the devil will bring things to you. Temptations and things will come your way. The devil is like a roaring lion seeking to devour and he will throw arrows. He will throw arrows. He will throw arrows. If you are standing there and there is no faith. Oh, the arrows are coming your way. They will come your way. But how do you shield yourself without faith? Without faith. So if the enemy comes to me and says, Hey, Dora, you in your old age, who will take care of you? You have no husband. You have no children. Who will take care of you? Those are arrows coming. And by faith I will stand. And by faith, I will stand and I will say, if it means I will rot in my bed, well, let that be. Let that be. And so this woman who will come to my house, 5.30 a.m., and will say to my mother, I need to talk to your daughter. My mom will come and wake me up. I'll go and sit there. My mom will be sitting there. She will turn to me and say, you are growing old. Dora, you are growing old. I had come for a vacation. When you go back, I just want you to go and have two children. You bring the children to me. Me. I will take care of them for you. It did not matter to her that I was in seminary. It did not matter to her that I was single. It did not matter to her that I was not married. Go and have children. My faith will tell me that, hey, don't let me do such a thing against my God. I didn't even tell her that, oh, there in America, I can go to a bank. I can get a sperm. I don't have to go and sleep with anybody. I can go to the bank and I'll get some sperms and I can, and no crying out. By faith, by faith, you overcome the devil. You resist the devil and it is necessary for Christian, for the Christian life. It is necessary for Christian warfare and the references are there. And then Jesus said, difficulties, all difficulties overcome by faith. Jesus said, all difficulties overcome by faith. Matthew chapter 17 verse 20, quickly please. Matthew 17, 20. He replied, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a master seed, you can say to this mountain, move here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus did not say that your faith must be as big as my Bible. No. No. He did not say your faith should be as big as the Bible. He said your faith should be as small. He didn't say big, as small. So what is in your hand? The little faith that you have is enough for God. And this morning is Christmas. And I have a gift. My talking of a gift to you. Yes, labor of love. But I was finished and I bring to you. And I want you, I keep mine in my Bible. Mine is always in my Bible. And so when I turn to the pages of my Bible, I feel it. 
And I know by faith I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. Therefore, Dora, you no longer live. You tell it to the next generation. Tell it to the next generation so you'll be found faithful. Keep it in your purse. Inside, two master seeds for you. The master seed grows to be a tall tree by faith. And then, finally, may those who come behind us find us faithful. Faithful to have passed on the faith to the next person. Your children, others, you've passed on the faith. You've passed on the faith. So this is the prayer. And this is the time of reflection for us. Reflect on the words here. The more you pass on the faith, the more Christ-like you become. Youth, you have no excuse. Others tell you, you tell others. As they are, you have been told, you tell others. Are you a pilgrim? Those who've gone before us line the way. Pay attention to the words. on the faithful. Encouraging the weary, their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for But as those who've gone before Generations us, come before us. leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed Pass on to godly your life and what you say. Our children sift through all we've left behind. And they're going through your fence. May the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that. 
Kadabra is living to preach at Kadabraka. That's what she had to live at this time. Thank you, Reverend Dr. Tora, for such 